0: Love TALK RADIO Greetings, thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry as we discuss today's episode, hashtag ban, arrest, and assess. Stop arresting victims of human trafficking and child exploitation for crimes such as prostitution. It is very important that you all take this opportunity to follow me with this show. I've done three things for this show. One, I've provided you with a change.org petition that is available on the Blog Talk Radio website under this particular show that allows for you to click on that link and to sign the petition. I will be explaining throughout this episode the nature of the petition, but you can also click it on and read it for yourself. Second, I am encouraging you to participate in utilizing your social media networks, family, friends, and colleagues, to disseminate, hashtag, ban, arrest, and assess. And third, I am calling upon you, if you reside in any of the other states that currently do not have a safe harbor or Rachel's law, that is designed to protect victims of human trafficking and child sexual exploitation, to utilize as much information that I have provided at the petition website so that you can educate and inform your local community advocates and legislatures to pass this legislation. This subject matter is of importance to me. I have witnessed and I see every single day Victims of human trafficking and child sexual exploitation who are the subject of arrest as quote unquote juvenile prostitutes or child prostitutes. There is no such thing as a child prostitute. These are victims of child exploitation. And it is of great concern to me as a juvenile advocate, as a member of the legal community, the founder of the African American Juvenile Justice Project where we see every day how individuals who are already victims are continuing to be victims and to be victimized by a system that is supposed to protect them. In 2000, our Congress passed legislation for the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 that was reauthorized in 2013. But there were no provisions in that legislation that prohibited the arrest of victims of human trafficking and child sexual exploitation for prostitution or any other crime. The purpose of the act was to decriminalize, to say, listen, these are victims. But the legislators did not go a step further and say, therefore, under this legislation, we are prohibiting local governments and the feds for making arrests of these victims. There was no language in that statute that even allowed for states to mandate, design, enact, draft, if you will, legislation to protect victims. There were not any requirements. So for 15 years, from 2000 to 2015, states like Georgia never enacted a safe harbor law. Our House Bill 244 just enacted that legislation. Just enacted that legislation. And we'll be back to talk about what the other states did in a moment. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, as we discuss this episode entitled Hashtag Ban Arrest and Assess. Hashtag we Are Victims. This show is to educate and inform and to encourage participation in securing signatures that we can submit to Congress to enable them to enact and to amend legislation as it pertains to the arrest of victims of sexual exploitation and human trafficking. I said at the break that it took 15 years for states like Georgia to finally come on board with a Safe Harbor Act. You would think states like New York being a little more liberal, if you will, a blue state, so to speak, that they would have been on task, but they weren't. It would not be until 2007, 2007, that the state of New York, which everyone thinks is so liberal, that the state of New York would finally enact legislation. And even after they enacted legislation, states like New York, Vermont, and Massachusetts, still had legislation that said you can arrest the children. You don't have to provide them with services. By 2011, Massachusetts had come on board. There are only 18 states out of 50 in the United States that currently have Safe Harbor or Rachel's laws that are designed to do basically four things. First, decriminalize, meaning don't arrest these children. Don't criminalize their behaviors as acts of prostitution second divert divert them from the jail provide them programs and services three determine their eligibility or assessment for programs and services and the final is to actually deliver mean and make available to them programs and services the three p's the purpose of the act was to encourage prosecution of individuals who were human traffickers, buyers, or sellers, to make tougher penalties for individuals who were defined as John, which I personally think they're conspiring to buy and sell. So I think their prison terms ought to be equivalent, if not the same. And then to provide prevention services for these girls, which we'll discuss in a moment, and protection for the girls, which respectfully is common sense. So why isn't any of this happening? From 2000 to 2015, only 18 states have come on board. So we're in a nation where we don't even want to protect our children? Or is it because in our mindset, we think that the children who are being victimized are predominantly minorities, African-American, Latina, and Asian? So is that why we're ignoring this fact? But the truth of the matter is 60% of the girls that are arrested for prostitution that are under the age of 18 happen to be African-Americans. The majority of the other girls are sent into diversion programs. Latina girls suffer as well. So what are we saying as a society? That we're encouraging modern-day slavery based on race once again? This is wrong. It is so wrong. It shouldn't matter the race of a young child and here's the other kicker women and girls receive services that are not yet available in most states who have safe harbor laws to boys and members of the lgbt community so we've even gone as far as to discriminate based on gender and sexual orientation and yet even in 2015 when senate bill 178 passed which is supposed to be justice for victims of trafficking. They didn't add any provisions that really changed it. You're still criminalizing. You're still not mandating that in order for these states to receive federal funding and education, health care, police operations, you will not arrest these children and victims of human trafficking. It is a multibillion dollar industry. Who's benefiting? Are the politicians benefiting? We're all aware of the Ashley Madison situation. So are we caused to believe that maybe the reason why politicians don't want to respond, the reason why judges and prosecutors and law enforcement don't want to act, is because while everybody is looking toward the Ashley Madisons of the world, maybe those same sector of individuals are looking to human trafficking and to exploit child victims. And so no one feels the need to do anything to act on their behalf. Now, and I have been very vocal in holding the African-American and Latino community clearly responsible for the majority of the trafficking that takes place with our women and children in terms of them being the pimps. Now, and I'm sure somewhere possibly on the hierarchy of things, there may be some white males who may be receiving compensation. But I know on the lower level, These young girls are being pimped by African-American and Latino males with the help of some women. And I'm vocal concerning that. We're not going to toss the stone and hide hands. Straight across the board, these are the most vulnerable members of our population. Girls who are being beaten, raped, sodomized, forced on the streets of America to sell their bodies, their soul, stripped of their childhood. And we didn't want to arrest them and say you're a prostitute and further re-traumatize and victimize them and label them such that the adverse collateral consequences include, but are not limited to a loss of Hymns, health, housing, education, employment, maintenance, and support. Oh, sure. The new legislation that just passed Senate bill 178 in Congress says they can move the courts to vacate a conviction. Well, that means you have to hire a lawyer or hope that a lawyer will work for you pro bono. And then you have to presume the person was, in fact, a victim, which means the rebuttable presumption is that I have to present evidence that they was a victim. So we re-traumatize them. We make them victims again. Prove to me that you were a 12-year-old and you wasn't on the streets of America because you wanted to be. Prove to me that you've been sodomized and you have a gaping hole in your anus and you were raped and gang raped and beaten. Prove to me that you didn't willingly want to have sex with 20 men per night. Prove to me that you had the resources to pimp yourself on the street and you reaped the financial gains from doing that. Prove to me that you were under the influence of drugs or alcohol as an unwilling participant. Prove that to me. And then once you do that, then I will make a decision as to whether or not we need to vacate your conviction. No, we need a Fair Criminal Record Reporting Act, very similar to how the Fair Credit Reporting Act works, as follows. If you are a victim of human trafficking, it is a presumption. No, it is fact that anyone under the age of 18 cannot consent. Why don't we mimic what some states like Texas finally came around to say? Hey, you're 12 years old, you're 13, there's no way. We're gonna even make you prove that you're not a victim. We're gonna make the presumption that you are a victim. No rebuttable presumption. No, you are a victim. I go a step further with all due respect to the justices in the Supreme Court in Texas, and I say, if you're 18 or under, you are a victim. You are a victim. We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry, as we discussed today's episode on Live on Sherry. Hashtag ban arrest and assess. What is the purpose of that hashtag? Let me explain to you what that means. Since most of the states who do have safe harbor laws purport that the reason that they make the arrest is because they have to thereafter assess to determine if the individual is in fact the victim, like Georgia, then my argument to that is we need not do that. Ban the in them and just do the assessment. Why isn't it that we can't take the children off the streets the same way we would a victim of abuse at home? When the police go to that property, they bring a teddy bear or something that that child can relate to. Well, you may not want to do that on the streets, But the fact of the matter is, once you take off their makeup and the wigs and pull their little hair back into their pigtails and you wash them and you bathe them and you put them on clothing that's age-appropriate, you see the child in them and you see what they've been stripped of. So why isn't it that our law enforcement can't be trained instead of taking them to the police department and subjecting them to arrest and detention? is to transport them to an urgent care or to a hospital for emergency care to be rendered, to do all the necessary testing, similar to what we would do with a rape kit, and if they're willing participants and given that information, fine, and submitting to that testing, fine. If not, we understand. And then once the appropriate tests are determined for STDs, HIV, and other assessments, then transfer that person to a safe house or to an environment, that a Department of Family and Children's Services or Protective Services can provide them. And in doing that, it should call for, and the legislation should have mandated, that every state in the United States has not just a safe harbor law, but a division, a department, for the protection of victims of child sexual exploitation and human trafficking either as a separate department that works directly with law enforcement or as an entity or division of their CPS or Department of Family and Children's Services. And in that capacity, those social workers who would therefore be trained to deal with that specific population, because with all due respect, we have many incompetent, Members of CPS and Department of Family and Children's Services that are already responsible for so many of these children being on the streets anyway because they didn't give them the care and the protection that they needed when they were in their custody as victims of child molestation, abuse, maltreatment, and mistreatment. So once we call upon proper training and a division that's dedicated specifically to that and build around that so that you have advocates, the court system, and members of law enforcement and attorneys and advocates, etc., to be part of that quote-unquote family, if you will, then once you have that child in that setting, you've done your assessment and there was no need to make an arrest. Why make the arrest, subject them to adverse consequences of the arrest that follows them the rest of their life, and then say, oh, by the way, we know you're a victim, now you can go back and get a conviction, vacate it? Come on, who does that and why? That's no different than the argument that I've been making for this so-called private citizen warrant and these child abandonment warrants where you bring fathers into the court because a woman has alleged that he's the father and then after he's arrested, after that stigma, now he's been able to disprove the accusation but he still has the arrest record. What the heck is wrong with us? As an attorney I used to think that, you know, this country just had it going on. But more and more every single day over the course of the last several years, I just look back. And I'm like, I look at our state bar from Georgia to all the others. They're so busy playing politics. Well what lawyers you want to be the voice of change? Who's the right color, the right height, the right weight? Who has the long hair? who has a certain color of eyes, who's black, who's white, who's Latina, who's Asian, who's male, who's female. Fake bars across this country are so caught up in that foolishness, the politics of lawyering, we forget that there are people that are suffering. While you have judges that spend their time on the bench, federal Article Three judges, so busy trying to issue orders to berate lawyers and, 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 and work toward their demise, Instead of looking at what the nature of the law is supposed to be about, justice. And to me, when you come away from that, you need to retire. Get off the bench. Retire from working with people. Don't bother with serving the state bar in any capacity because you're too far removed. You're too far removed from bringing about change, from doing what, Our founding fathers envisioned when they ratified the Constitution. You're too far removed from that. How is it that we're sitting back? I was at a symposium for human trafficking, and I stood up and I asked a question, and I said, well, what are we going to do about their, their records? I've got girls who are now trying to go to college, and they're being denied admission. I have young people that are looking for employment opportunities. They can't get them. They're like, oh, shoot, we forgot about that. Now everybody's defensive. Well, Sherry, you know, we're policy makers. We might have law degrees, but we don't practice. Oh, Sherry, they could go through the vacating process and they could use the expungement. Oh, we don't have that in Georgia anymore. We have restriction. Oh, yeah, I hear you, Office of the Child Advocate. I hear you, PAC, Prosecuting Attorneys counsel. I hear you, Representatives from the Department of Juvenile Justice, but I'm trying to bring you something simpler and easier that could be utilized on a national basis, a fair credit reporting act. Similar to that, and that would be in a Fair Criminal Records Reporting Act, such that if you are accused and you were arrested as a victim of human trafficking, it will automatically be deleted within 45 days of you bringing it to the attention of that authority. The same way you file disputes with credit bureaus, we can take NCIC and every local state that has their information center, National Crime Information Center, and every jurisdiction in the United States has their bureau investigation connected to that system. And why not simply allow them to have the same protocol as the credit bureau agencies? Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, you write them a letter, you say there's a dispute here. They have 30 days by federal law to investigate it under the Federal Trade Commission. Within that time frame, they need to change it. So if I am a victim of human trafficking and I therefore file this complaint, they would have 30 to 45 days to investigate it and remove it. I don't expect you to simply vacate the conviction. That does nothing to the arrest. Because the fingerprints and the mugshot still exist. They're still readily available. The goal is to delete it. Not so that you have a young lady that works for a call center and human resources learns that she was a prostitute or accused of prostitution and somehow it finds its way to management. And then she solicited it during her job, so she quits because she's broken by the experience? Well, your college and the university that you apply to, you have to then continue to reiterate to them, oh, I was arrested for prostitution? Oh, ban the box? That's hogwash. Because the very state agencies that in Georgia allow for you to ban the box, they're pulling criminal background checks on you anyway. And at the bottom of the application, it already says that. So why do we have an executive order in states like Georgia to ban the box if your very same state agencies don't need you to ask? It's an ask you don't have to worry about telling because they're going to pull a criminal background check well before you're even considered for employment opportunities. And that's the premise in which they're going to rely on. So why are we playing this game of criminal justice reform? It's a lie. You want reform? You enact and you pass, you draft, and then you pass a fair criminal records reporting act that says if a person has committed a misdemeanor and they've been convicted since the statute of limitation for misdemeanors two years for non, nonviolent, you would basically say that at the conclusion of that two-year sentence that you have two years from that date and we will delete the record. If that's a nonviolent felony and it doesn't meet the seven deadly sins, the statute of limitations for felonies in most jurisdictions is seven years. So when you've completed your sentence, seven years from that date, it is deleted automatically. That is reform. That is reentry. How is it we allow people to incur millions of dollars in debt and then we say you could go and file bankruptcy? And the bankruptcy sits on your report for seven years. But within two years, you have the Get Fresh Start program. And you have the opportunity to apply for loans and vehicles and credit once again. We've put all those measures in place for people with bad credit and people that are struggling. But we've done nothing in this country to really eradicate the problems associated, the collateral consequences associated with individuals who are victims. Of crimes in this country like human trafficking or wrongfully accused so if you're wrongfully accused and arrested as a prostitute that has to follow you the rest of your life congress senate bill 178 doesn't delete the record it simply says you vacate it but to vacate it there's nothing from ncic the feds still have it why there are circumstances where the federal government needs to know a person's background. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well before the need for us to have a division of Homeland Security, well before 9-11. There are just some things the feds do need to know. I agree with that. But for a 12- or 13-year-old who's being accused of prostitution, where most of us already know that these little babies are victims, hashtag We need 100 signatures to get this petition up, running, and starting. Will you help? We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, as we discuss on Live with Sherry on BTR Radio today, ban, arrest, and assess. Hashtag ban, arrest, and assess. Hashtag we need 100 signatures. I want to read something to you um, verbatim. This was prepared by the Innocence Loss Working Group. It does a lot to educate people about sex trafficking in this country, and this was written in 2010. That's five years ago, but it's worth reading. It's a psychological uh, victimization. Quote, Pimps may use force, fraud, or coercion to virtually enslave their victims. Juvenile victims have been controlled by threats of violence to their families. Pornography, images taken and used for blackmail or stigmatization. And and I'm adding this part now. And in a social media society that we have now, where once you hit the send button, that's it. Can you imagine? By threats of violence to their family, physical, verbal, and sexual abuse. Allow me to add this. I personally, through my profession, know of young girls who have been victims of gang rapes to teach one of the other girls a lesson so that if she refuses to participate in the act of prostitution as a victim of sexual exploitation, what the pimp will do is let men rape someone she knows in her presence so they anally sodomize a girl and brutally beat the girl so that she gets the message. So what message do we need in America to say that our children are victims? Could it be because we have so many pedophiles here and there are as many men that are flying out of the United States to go to places like Mexico, Latin America, and Asia so that they can have sex with young girls, that we don't see our children as victims anymore? I've said this, I hope on October 10th, 2015, when they do the justice or just, or just us or just, or what else, that Minnesota Farcon and all of these other people gathering for a gathering of justice of black males and Latinos, the coming together of black and brown, that you hold those men accountable and responsible for the plight of what is happening the girls and our community, the lost opportunities that these young women will have from being raped and sodomized and brutally beaten, the mental, emotional, and psychological stigmas associated with being a prostitute and being arrested, and the stigmas of being disconnected from their family and their friends, that there is a sense of accountability and responsibility that is pronounced to those men on 10, 10, 15. That they will not operate in excuses, denying justification, blaming the white man, DEA, CIA, FBI, Secret Service, Congress, government, or anyone else. Because our men and the Latino and the African American community are responsible for the majority of the trafficking that takes place of these young girls in America. Russia has their take. Mexico has their take. Asian, the Asian community has their take. But as it pertains to on U.S. soil, the majority of these girls who are victimized are young black and Latino girls and the white girls who are now being brought in for middle class environments, which explains some of the reasons for change legislatively. But still, for 18 out of 50 states to say we have a problem when it is a national issue says that we all have a problem. And I'm trying to do my part. What about you? Hashtag, we need 100 signatures. Please use the change.org link that's available and sign on. Sign on. You may not agree with everything, but do you agree that these girls should not be defined as prostitutes and that they should not be arrested? If you agree with that, do you also agree that schools ought to be able to educate girls about prevention, intervention, and solutions to human trafficking so that they know what to look for? Do you not agree that they should be allowed programs and services for mental health and drug treatment? If you agree with any of that, then sign the petition and use your social media to share it. Thank you very much, because no child, regardless of their race, Nationality, ethnicity, or sexual orientation should be the subject of child sexual exploitation, especially not on American soil. This is indeed modern-day slavery. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry and at BTR.